The John Morris Show, episode 140. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey everybody, welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. This episode, I'm going to dive into... I got this question the other day on, I think it was via email. Fortunately, went back looking for it. It had kind of stuck with me and written it down and went back looking for it and had a hard time finding it. But the gist of it was, hey, you talk all the time about learning PHP and using it to get a job and get into the IT world and so forth. But where do I actually go to find jobs? Because I've looked and I've had a hard time finding these jobs and so forth. And often it gets a little into hyperbole and and frustration and says, I can't, there's no jobs out there. I can't find any, et cetera. So I'm going to do two things at once. One, try to be helpful and show you some different ways that you can look for these jobs. Some things that I think people maybe don't necessarily think of when they're searching for jobs related to PHP and how to find them. And also kind of dispel the myth a little bit that there are no PHP jobs out there because there certainly are. Again, we could go get into the holy war of languages of what has more jobs and this, that, and the other, but there are still plenty of jobs related to PHP out there, especially when you look at it from maybe a little bit different perspective than you might have been so far. So I'm going to get into that and we're going to just go and I'm going to show you exactly where to go and what to do. But before I do that, I want to I again I try to clue you guys in a little bit or include you guys a little bit in what I do in my newsletter and I sent out the uh, an email the other day that had a <laughs> pretty big reaction to it struck a chord with a lot of people and so I wanted to share that uh with you guys and gals here on the podcast now I'm going to tell you a little bit up front some of the reaction I got is because it's a fairly personal email and it talks a little bit about my relationships and relationships in general. And the reason I sent it out, to be honest with you, uh, I was dipping my toe in the water a little bit. And what I mean by that is I can look at the different uh, stats and demographics of my audience in various different places, uh, Facebook, YouTube, my email, all, uh, website, and, and so forth, and and get a a sense of the demographics of the people that are in my audience. And for a while now, my uh, my audience is predominantly male. It's probably not super surprising because that tends to be the tend, trend in tech right now. And it's changing, I think, a little bit, but still across all the different sites, 85, sometimes even 90% of my audience is male. Now, I don't want to be exclusionary and say that women aren't allowed or put up a no girls allowed sign. That's certainly not what I'm doing. But I also want to serve my audience a little bit more. And if I go further into those demographics, it's young men, ages 18 to 24 is the the highest demographic. But if I expand that even just 18 to 34, which is still, I guess you consider could could consider that borderline young. I mean, I'm 35. I consider myself young still. But it's it's young, predominantly young men that are in my audience. And so I I want to and and so having being a male myself and and having kind of moved towards the edge of that range of 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 a young man, I I know that there are particular issues 
that come up for young men. I want to talk about those and I really want to talk about them because we can't, you know, human beings aren't just these different categories of things. It's all kind of melds together and it's all very highly related in terms of what's behind all of the motivation for getting into web design and web development and coding and PHP and all this stuff, the motivation behind that. And then also at the same time, the frustrations that you face. And so I want to talk about this stuff. And for the ladies out there listening, again, this is in no way trying to exclude you. Uh, I I actually do believe that that a lot of the issues that men face, women also face, especially in this kind of more modern era. And I think even things that I talk about that don't necessarily directly apply to you, uh, if you're a woman, can be looked at from a little bit different perspective and and still provide a lesson. And so I bring all that up to to just kind of make it clear going forward. Again, I had a very mostly positive reaction to the email that I sent out and it seemed to strike a chord and help a lot of people. And so I'm going to continue to do that. So I just want to kind of put it out there before I do that, that that's why I'm doing this. And it's, it's the route I'm going. You don't have to agree with me doing it. You can call me names and and, and whatever, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway. So uh, that's that. So the email that I sent out and... <laughs> We're going to go right into this, but this is truly the frustration that I felt. And so the t- the subject of the email was, I wished she'd just shut up. And it's not what you think, but let me get into this. So I wrote, at first things were fine. I had a good relationship with her mom and dad. They thought I was a good guy. They knew she really liked me. And it seemed everything was going to go smooth. And here I'm talking about uh, what ultimately, at the time, was my girlfriend ultimately became my first wife. And so I continue, then I hit a rough patch. I quit my job and I started to bounce around a bit. If I had to guess, my wife was getting a bit annoyed herself and she would vent to her parents. Next thing I know, I'm getting all sorts of unsolicited advice about what I should do with my life. And she wouldn't shut up about him. Her dad. You know, my dad said, or when my dad was younger, he, or dad thinks that you should. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm not your dad, and I don't want to be your dad. I don't want to do what your dad does, so you just shut up about your dad already. Now, I never said that, but that's how I felt at times, because I was getting really frustrated uh, having to constantly hear about how her dad this and how her dad that, and that just really piled on top of what I was already feeling, because I was already hard on myself. But looking back, if I'm honest, most of it was good advice. And it was really my own insecurity that kept me from listening. And inside, whether right or wrong, I felt like less of a man because I couldn't get my life figured out. And constantly being compared to her dad just rubbed salt in the wound. And again, if I'm honest, I was terrified at that time that my girlfriend, eventually wife, was going to leave me for someone that was more like her dad. And again, the jealousy, (laughs) getting personal, the jealousy took hold for a while. I really did get kind of angry and jealous. And every time I would see her talk to another guy, 
I would get this ball in the pit of my stomach and I would wonder all sorts of crazy things. Like I remember I used to go, we would go out, we might go out to, you know, a bar or a club or a restaurant or whatever. And she would be talking with another guy and I would just, I was so anxious. I was so down on myself. I was so just in such a bad place that I would literally think, God, she, she's going to just leave with this other guy and, and I'm going to be sitting here looking stupid. Like I used to imagine this in my head and, you know, it was the way that she would look at him or the, it seemed like she had this extra twinkle in her eye or I imagined it, uh, the way she would smile and the way it felt like she would just completely ignore, uh, ignore me and focus all of her attention on him. It drove me nuts. And again, I would just assume that she was, she, oh, it's over. I, she's going to dump me right here and leave with this guy. And it was this crazy mix of anxiety, anger, sadness, depression, etc. cetera. Uh, I can specifically remember one time we went into Buffalo Wild Wings and she went up to talk to the bartender about getting a drink, just completely innocent. I went up there with her and, you know, bars hire specific people to be bartenders that are you know both men and women generally a little better looking so it was a it was a decent looking dude and you know usually they're a little more outgoing and and part of their job i think kind of the unwritten rule is to be a little bit flirty kind of i mean i've never been one but it always seems like they're just a little bit more outgoing and so he was really just doing his job and she was really, in a lot of ways, just being polite. But I remember just, I was in such a bad spot. I was so jealous, just like a little troll sitting there just fuming inside. And I ended up getting so angry that I just left. And in a lot of ways, I was making my, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. I was making my worst fears come true by the way that I was behaving. But again, I want to point out that None of it was really anything that she did in particular. It was all about me. It was all about where I was at in my life. And I bring this up because I know for a lot of guys out there that this whole thing with getting into web development and going after this career and so forth has a lot to do with our relationships, who we are as people, what we want out of life. It's more than just a job. This is our life. And for a lot of people, it's about being able, being able to provide for our significant other, being able to take care of our kids, doing something that has meaning and significance for us. And the solution for me, to again, to all of this was really, really simple. I needed to get myself figured out. And I think the thing that bothered me the most was that I felt like I was capable of more. And I bring this up all the time. But I I just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Why I couldn't just get my stuff together. And it took me a little while to figure out. But really, the solution was no more difficult than me just figuring it out. Just taking the time to sit down and figure it out, and then go after it with with no excuses. Uh, I talked the other the other podcast the other day in the podcast about how me sitting here doing this is what I really love and enjoy doing, and I had some sense of that back then. I just never 
I, I couldn't figure out how I, how I would make it work. Now, had I just started doing it back then in some way, I would have figured it out a lot quicker than I did. And so it was really just about that feeling that you have, that you're capable of so much more, and you have some semblance of an idea of what it is that you actually want to do. You just don't think it's, it's reasonable or that it's possible, that it's something that makes good sense. And, and people will tell you all the time, you know, you shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that because it doesn't really make sense. Yes, you should. You should chase after it. So I imagine if you're sitting here listening to this, that for you, web development, at least the broad, maybe you haven't figured out the specific yet, whether you want to be a teacher, whether you want to be build an app, whether you want to provide services, whether you just want to get a regular job, whatever it is, you know, there there may be still some things to figure out there. But you know that generally web development is is the route that you want to go. I'm going to assume that. And with that be, that being the case, then there's just a certain set of skills that are necessary for you to do that. Now, I've talked a lot about how I've talked a lot about college degrees and how CS degrees often aren't that helpful for web developers at least initially because they don't actually teach you programming skills. You're going to pay a ton of money to learn a theory and so forth that may or may not be helpful. You're probably going to have to teach yourself web development at some point anyway. And so if you really want to get into web development, a degree may or may not be the way to go. Well, one of the ways out, one of the ways to solve this solution and go after it and get those skills that you know no matter what you do you're going to need is Udemy. And I talk about Udemy all the time, but it's one of those really good options that allows you to get the skills for far, far less than you'd have to pay at a college and you actually learn the programming skills. And Udemy, normally, you know, if if you were to go over there, even at full price, a lot of the courses, you might pay 100, 200 bucks at most for a course. And I'm talking, you're getting... 200 some odd lesson or lectures, you're getting 20, 30 hours of content from someone who's actually d- a programmed and done it. You know, you're, you're just getting tons and tons of content and knowledge and skill for a very, very low price. You'd pay probably five times that at least if you went to a college. But right now they're doing another one of their promotions their $15 promotion where you can get any of their participating courses for just 15 bucks so it makes it just it makes it a complete no brainer <laughs> makes absolute sense even if you don't you get lifetime access to the courses so even if you don't think well I, i'm not going to be able to take this course right now or if i if i go get four or five courses that have all the skills i need you know it's going to take me a while to get to them except Get them now, have them stacked up in your library, and then when you can get to it and you can get through what you need to to get through in order to be able to take those courses, they'll be there waiting for you because you get lifetime access to the courses. So in order to get that discount, you want to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash September. It ends here in just a few days uh, if you're listening to this live or or really if you're listening to it uh, later on down the road. It ends on October 1st at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 2016. So uh, you want to make sure and head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash September right away in order to get access to that. All right, coming up, I'm going to get into 
where to find PHP jobs. I'm going to show you some the exact places you can go, and we're going to look through some of the numbers uh, and, and and see just how many jobs are out there and so forth. So we're going to do that after the break. You're listening to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, it's kind of funny. Every time someone uh, joins my email list, I ask them a very specific question. I ask them, what would you say if I could, if I told you I could teach you how to master PHP in the next few months? And I get a lot of interesting answers. Now, I get a lot of people who, you know, they say, sign me up. Where do I start? Let's do this, right? I get people who are a little more skeptical who say, um, it would depend on the details, you know, if it costs, what it costs, etc. And then I get people probably on the, the most skeptical end who are like, well, what does it exactly take to master PHP? And all these are really great questions. Now, let me ask you this, since you're here listening. What if I told you that you could get started learning everything that you need to know to master PHP, all the foundational skills that are necessary to move you out of maybe that job that you're working right now that you don't really like and just get yourself into an IT career. Oftentimes, people do it making more than they were making before. But even if you could just make the same and start doing it in an IT career as opposed to like I used to do, which was wearing my little chicken costume walling around in Greece all day, cooking chicken. Imagine if you could learn what you needed to learn, get the foundational skills you needed to start that process all for just seven bucks. What would your answer be? I hope your answer would be a resounding yes, because I know I'm going to go all keep off my grass old man on you, but I remember what it was like when I was coming up and the option to get all of that training in one place simply didn't even exist at that time, unless you wanted to read through a 500-page PHP manual, which I didn't want to do. But today, not only is that option available, but it's only going to cost you 7 bucks to get started. So if you're someone who's serious about learning PHP, about making a career in the IT industry, about getting out of whatever you're doing now that you might hate, and getting into the tech industry, you don't have to be a PHP coder forever. That's the thing. You can, If you want to get in all the fancy new stuff, Node and Python, and well, Python's not new, but Django and all this other stuff, all these frameworks and everything that's out there, that's fine. But one of the fastest ways to get out of where you're at now and into a an IT career is through PHP because it's simply the most popular server-side backend language that you're going to find. The job opportunities are huge. And there's companies out, out there that are just starving for PHP developers. Clients out there starving for people who can create PHP applications. So again, if you're someone who's serious about making that happen, then I want to encourage you to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com PHP. You can start taking module one of my PHP course for just seven bucks. So today, skip the latte from Starbucks. Head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash php, and let's get started with your PHP career. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. This segment, I want to talk about where to find PHP jobs. I'm actually going to be using my laptop here a decent amount here. So uh, we're just going to go through some different places where you can go and, and find PHP jobs that are out there and that are available. And 
again, this is one to kind of be helpful, but also dispel, dispel the myth a little bit that there's not any uh, PHP jobs out there because that's often the connotation when people are asking me this question. So again, this was all spawned from an email that I got. The gist of it was, hey, you're always telling us to learn PHP and you're always recommending you know, that, that you can use PHP to get a job in IT and so forth, but I can't find any PHP jobs. So where do I find PHP jobs? So again, I, I'm going to use kind of the tool that I use quite a bit, and that is Indeed.com. Now, again, I explained this in an earlier podcast. Uh, you may or may not have caught that. Again, uh, if you haven't heard about the 10-episode challenge, uh, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the last 10 episodes of the show so that you can keep caught up on all of this stuff because we talk, I reference past episodes a decent amount, and if you haven't heard them, then you're going to be lost a little bit. But uh, I use, I've used Indeed.com in the past a little bit just to show uh, the numbers because it's an it's really a job search engine and it get, does a pretty good job of giving you some idea of the job market nationwide and what people what jobs people are actually posting. Now, I've got a little criticism because people will say, "Well, you know, the way the jobs are posted, this, that, the other," and I again I covered this in the last podcast. The critique is really just basically wrong in its facts because Indeed is an aggregator. It's a lot like Google. It'll actually go to a site and aggregate what's on the site and, and look at the information on that site and use it for filling its search engine. So it's actually going to the the post made by the company and, and pulling in that information. You can put your own ads up on Indeed, but that's not what all of the jobs there are. In fact, I would say most of them are are pulled from other sites and aggregated. So again, it gives a good snapshot. And so I just did a simple search over on Indeed for PHP and just did it nationwide. So nationwide, as of right now, uh, of this recording, there are 21,067 jobs that contain the word PHP. Now you might say, well, yeah, but they're saying PHP along with some other stuff. Well, you know, I I look at the titles of these, I see uh PHP developer, PHP developer, PHP developer, web services developer 3, PHP developer, full stack PHP developer, full stack lamp developer, which is basically the same thing, web applications developer, full stack software developer, PHP developer, full stack PHP developer, web developer. So I think you get the point. Most of these are very specific to a, being a PHP developer. And if we look at where some of these are from, uh, again, I'm in the United States, so uh, this kind of lines up for me. But this one's in the first one's in Illinois. We have Oklahoma City, uh, California, Virginia, California, uh, Florida, Missouri, Virginia. North Carolina, California, California. This one's a remote job. Uh, Florida, Utah, Indiana. I mean, yes, you're going to have some some of these bundled up in the bigger areas like California. Maybe actually, you didn't see a ton of ton from New York, which is kind of interesting because I've had somebody say that before that out in that area you don't see as many. So so be it. In 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 New York, you, you may not find as many PHP jobs, but uh, basically for anybody else, 
<laughs> there's still jobs that are kind of all over the place here. In terms of salary, so of of those jobs, 18,000 of them pay $60,000 a year or more. So the vast majority, 18,000 of the 21,000 pay uh, $60,000 or more. Now think about that for a second. You're, you know, just let's say you're just coming out of high school or even just coming out of college and you're looking for a job and your entry level job is going to be around 50 to $60,000 a year. I can tell you most even college graduates would kill for a job that paid that much. I know college graduates who come out and their first entry level job in their, in their field, their degree field is $35,000, a year. Now, that's, again, that's not everything. But uh, sixty thousand as a as a base is really pretty good, but it's kind of even better because if you look at seventy five thousand plus, there's still fifteen thousand jobs available. So two thirds of the jobs that are available on here pay seventy five thousand dollars a year or more, and then all the way up to one hundred ten thousand plus, there's four thousand jobs available there. Uh, if you look at the the type of job, they're full time. Uh, 17,893 as of this recording are full time. There's 2,500 that are contract, only 700 that are part time, a few hundred internships, temporary, and commission, or, or barely any. Um, actually, if you look at location, now they didn't show up in they didn't show up in the the first listings that I looked at here, but 1,200 of those, which must be the most, are in New York. A uh, thousand are in San Francisco, six hundred in Boston, five hundred in Seattle, five hundred in Washington D.C. So again, all the major cities are probably going to have the, the the most of those. Um, experience level, uh, most of them are mid level jobs. So about ten thousand, uh, probably roughly about half are mid level jobs. There's fifty one hundred entry level jobs and twenty four hundred senior level jobs. So it gives you some idea of the snap shot of of the market itself but again i go right on here do a simple search for php and find a bunch of jobs looking for php developers in all sorts of different places uh, around the country now if i narrow this down just to where i live then for if i do a search for php there's 30 jobs available in my local area for someone for a php developer now Oh, that number may or may not be a ton. For, but the thing is, is you only need one. So uh, this is just me going right where I'm at already. If you're someone who's uh, younger and just coming out and getting into this career, would it be worth maybe moving somewhere that has more of the jobs? I'm sure if I did a search in the California area, it'd be a lot more than 30. Um, and, I, you know, a lot of the searches that I that you would do for any job in here would probably be in maybe the 100 or less than 100 range, I would imagine, just because this area is only so big. So uh, there's 30 jobs available that I could go out right now and apply for, and all I need is one of those. So again, there's, there's and again, we're just covering PHP here. Now, if we do the thing that I, I talked about that I don't think most people think of, when they go to do a job like this, they would maybe do the PHP search. But oftentimes, it's the applications built on the language that are more popular. So in this particular case, if I do a search for WordPress, that adds another 6,000 jobs that are out there. So again, 
Uh, we had 21,000 before. If I do WordPress, that's still PHP. It's Yes, it's a specific application, but at the end of the day, it's built on PHP. So it's really uh, a, a PHP-related job. There's another 6,000 jobs that are available for a WordPress developer. And that those jobs are probably, if you're someone who knows WordPress, are going to maybe be a little bit easier to get because you're going to be, it's more specific. And so less people are going to know if you take the full pool of PHP developers, there's going to be a certain segment that know WordPress. So you're competing with less people. How all that shakes out, who really knows? But again, it just adds more jobs uh, available for you. If I do Drupal, there's another th roughly 3,000 jobs available for Drupal developers. And again, you can. these are just a couple that I've done. You could look at all of the different applications that are out there that are built on PHP and start to find, okay, the job market starts to expand a little bit and there's more opportunities than maybe I thought uh, originally. Now, and again, this is just Indeed.com. This isn't the end-all, be-all. There's Monster and there's all sorts of other job sites that are out there that you could go search on. I think this gives you a good idea, but it's certainly not going to give you everything. You may have local job boards that are even better, that that certain communities, they, they have these local job boards that tend to be really popular, and they don't even post on the bigger sites because they, they, they know they can get from uh, who they need from that local job board or job site or whatever. So again, that would be uh, another place for you to look as well. The other thing is, is this is just going to be for the most part. So this is going to be focused primarily on just regular, you know, nine to five ish type jobs, but that's not the whole market in terms of what's available to you. Okay. So there's a whole nother segment of market out there and that is freelance work. So again, if I just go and I look, uh, if I go on Upwork, and I just do a, a quick search for PHP. Again, there's 11,119 jobs available or projects available over on Upwork. And I can kind of look through some of the filtering here. This is one of the things, I did a video on this a while back, uh, that one of the big mistakes that I think freelancers make when using Upwork is not taking advantage of the filtering options that are on here. So for example, I can uh, filter by client history. This is one of the big problems that people have is they'll uh, see projects that are posted by clients who maybe have never hired anybody before and they end up flaking out and so forth. Well, I can actually help get rid of that because I can get rid of what are called no hires. So I can uncheck this box under client history and it'll uh, get rid of people who've never hired anybody. And so there's an option for one to nine hires and then 10 plus hires. If we look at just those two together, so it's somebody who's at least hired one uh, freelancer, there's just a, just a little over 7,000 jobs available out of the 11,000 that are on here. So still a ton of jobs available for people from clients who've actually hired someone on the site, which can immediately kind of sift out a ton of riffraff. I can also, um, change it by budget. So I can slide this budget uh, slider over to a thousand to a hundred uh, uh, jobs that have at least a thousand dollar budget. Of the 11,000 that I originally mentioned, there's still 6,157 6, as of right now that jobs available that have a budget of a thousand dollars or greater. 
Okay, so a good market, right? That's that's a good potential there. Um, you know, of these, there's forty, roughly forty seven hundred that are hourly uh jobs and fifteen hundred that are fixed price. There's uh seventeen hundred that are entry level, twenty two intermediate, and seventeen hundred expert. Okay, so you can come through and filter all of this. There's for the project length, um, there's 1,300 of these jobs, uh, and actually these are the 1K jobs and above. Let me kind of let me go ahead and slide this back so I can get you to all 11,000 here. But of the 11,000, there are 1,300 that are six months or greater. They're looking for someone who can work six months or greater. Um, of those jobs, 3,500 are part time, and only 1,100 are uh, full time. Okay, so, and again, over here, that makes a little bit more sense. And if I look at some of the names of these these projects, PHP and My, MySQL developer, 55 an hour, WordPress theme developer, I need a WordPress expert, correct uh, uh, cross-site scripting vulnerabilities, uh, Salesforce expert, spreadsheet grid, WordPress developer, fix errors on site, uh, JavaScript, jQuery, PHP developer, so minor customizations on Magento. So, Again, these are related jobs. These are jobs that make sense. These aren't, you know, it's not a bunch of riffraff. Again, that's just PHP. You can still come over and do searches for WordPress. Matter of fact, if you do a search for WordPress on Upwork, you get more jobs. You get 12,945 jobs available here. Uh, and again, you know, you can go through and filter a lot of this stuff. 1,900 of them are, they want somebody for six months or longer. Um, you know, 5,100 are part-time. Uh, there's still almost nine, rough, a little over 9,000 that uh, from clients who've actually hired someone at least once before and so forth. So tons and tons of jobs that are available over here on Upwork. So you have indeed.com where you can get the regular nine to five-ish type jobs. And then you have Upwork where you can do the freelancing type stuff. You pool all of that together. There's a lot of opportunity out there for you to get started somehow, to get working with this somehow. And then the thing is, is as you build up your experience, as you build up your portfolio, getting hired is going to become less and less of the problem. And it's going to be more about what do I really want to do myself? The other part of this all is that it's est so this is this is somewhat debated, but there's a lot of jobs out there that go unadvertised. So again, we have indeed the search engine, we have Upwork. These are all advertised jobs and projects. But there's still a significant chunk of jobs out there that are unadvertised. Now the exact number is estimated or debated. You know, for the kind of the conventional wisdom for a long time was that that number was 75 to 95 percent. That's been kind of challenged. But even the people that challenge it will say that the number's closer to 38%. Well, to my mind, that's still a fairly high percentage of jobs that go unadvertised. And they'll say, you know, with some industry, it really depends on the industries. There's some industries where it'll be as low as 20%. Well, 20% still seems like a, a fairly high number to me when you're thinking about companies that have jobs that they don't advertise at all. So... And, and it's debated about what the difference between unpublished and the advertised. Essentially, what it comes down to is a lot of companies will have a position open. And before they ever put it on 
put out a posting on their on their site or put it on Indeed or put it on Monster or any of these other places, they'll ask they'll either leverage their personal network or they'll leverage their employee network and see if they can find someone within those networks. And often they do. The number of people that get hired through the the employee or personal networks is fairly high. I thought they said like 70% or something like that. So anyway, these jobs go in tend to go unadvertised, unpublished. Again, the, the terminology is a little gray there, but they're not jobs that you're you're necessarily going to go out and go on Monster or some of these other places and find. Uh, you're going to find them because you're a friend of a friend. Or I've been reading this book, uh, fascinating book, where they talk about cold calling and companies for jobs because they'll have positions open and available. And it sounds, uh, you'll see hear people who really advise against that. It sounds maybe a little scary, but the uh, higher rate from people who do this some, from some of the studies they've done is fairly high, like 65, 70%. Uh, of people who will do this, call a company, will get hired within a certain percentage of time or whatever. So the hire rate is really high for this kind of method. And so they the, the book talks about why you should do this cold calling method and then how to go about doing it or whatever. But the point being that there's a lot of jobs out there that aren't advertised and there's a lot of options that are available to you to go out and get one. There's really, in my mind, there's there's really no excuse not to be out there going after this. And that kind of leads me to the next thing that I want to talk about, which is, I think the question really he- here really isn't, are there jobs available or there are no jobs, saying there are no jobs available. That's not what it comes down to. What it really comes down to is actually getting the job. And so, some fear or anxiety around um, actually going out and, and applying and, and getting the job and so forth. And so I want to talk, I want to kind of just wrap this all up with talking a little bit about how do you actually go about getting one of these jobs? Because there's obviously plenty of them available, but it comes down to actually going and doing it. And so I think there's three things that are important for getting the job. The first one I think you need confidence. And this is probably really the number one roadblock that people face, especially in the tech world, because you grow up in an environment that can be very accusatory at times or very hard on you at times. And you get somebody, all these people calling you noobs and your code is stupid, or you at least see them doing it to other people who ask questions and so forth. And you you kind of start to shell up a little bit and and get worried that you know if I go and apply for this job and I get hired I'm going to have some boss or some developer over top of me who's going to call me an idiot and all this st- like it, there's a lot of fear that can be built up and the thing that you need more than anything else is despite all that to do it anyway and so I think what happens a lot of times and I've done some digging with the people I've talked to a little bit on this, it's it's a little tricky because people can be sensitive about it. But I've done a little bit of digging, and it seems like a decent number of the people who say there are no jobs out there haven't actually applied for any. And the reason why they haven't applied for any is because they don't think they're qualified yet. And so 
For me, the confidence part of it is you need to start applying for jobs that you don't think you can get. Because chances are most of the jobs you're going to look at, you don't think you're, you're going to be able to get. Right? I, I like to go back to Chris Sean, right? The, he, he applied at a company where they had a whole list of stuff that they wanted the person to know. And he didn't know a lot of that stuff. Now, the average person probably wouldn't have applied. But he had listened to the podcast. I'd said over and over and over again to apply, to focus on being a specialist. And that's what he did because the one thing that was most important to them was that the the applicant knew Bootstrap. And he knew Bootstrap. And he built a portfolio and a site to show that off. And they hired him because he was really good with Bootstrap. And they were willing to fill in the rest of the blanks. A lot of the jobs that you would apply for are going to be that way. You're going to look at the list of things that you need to know in order to, they say that they want from you, and you'll be able to find, you'll always be able to find probably two or three that you think would disqualify you. Apply anyway. Do it anyway. Because chances are there's nobody out there that has all those skills. Or if there's somebody out there that does have all those skills, they're already hired or technically or really the position ought to be a higher level position than what it's actually being advertised as so you you need just you need to have confidence you need to apply for jobs that you don't think that you qualify for and get over that fear that you're not going to know enough etc now i'm not saying go apply for the senior level developer position if you're you know 3 months into learning how to code but again most of the jobs you're going to see out there, you could probably disqualify yourself somehow. Don't let that stop you. The second thing that you need is you need experience. Experience is one of those things that it really helps deal with the confidence part of it. Ultimately, confidence comes from competence. And so you really need to to get out there uh, and, and get some experience. And And experience is really kind of your trump card when it comes to different jobs. It's really a trump card for degree. It's a trump card for a list of qualifications and skills. The more experience you have, really, and especially in something in particular, something specialized, the better. Now, a lot of developers, when I say that, will say, well, it's a catch-22. I can't get hired if I don't have experience, but I can't get experience if I don't get hired. And there's some truth to that, but I would say for the most part, that's really just a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's just something that we allow to stop ourselves. And the reason is, is because there are still tons of entry-level jobs out there, and those jobs know they're going to have to train you. So it's worth you going out there and taking an entry-level or lower-level job to get the experience. Yeah, you're going to make probably a little less at first, but as you the, the experience is kind of exponential, especially in the tech world, because companies are so hungry for new employees that you know having a year or two of experience can really be a big deal and help to kind of set you apart uh, from a lot of other people. There's so many new people coming in that having just even a few years of experience can really help you move up the income ladder and, and, and up in a particular company or industry very, very quickly. So it's worth taking a lower level, maybe lower paying job just to get it in the door and get the experience and then get that one or two years that you can then leverage to to get a higher level job to get paid more, et cetera. The other thing is, is you don't have to just get hired. Maybe you're having a tough time doing that. Well, 
you can always do freelance work like I just mentioned. Freelance work is available. There's tons and tons of stuff out there. And I think if you are willing to really kind of strategize and work the system, specialize, um, you know, build a portfolio, it doesn't have to be client work, uh, really focus on writing your profile well, having a good picture, doing all the things that I've, I always talk about, then you set yourself up uh, really well to be able to get freelance work. But even if you can't get freelance work, there's still tons and tons of open source projects that are out there that are available that almost nobody is going to tell you no on. And even if there's no open source projects out there, you can go out and create your own projects on GitHub or wherever. You can contribute. There's things that you can do to get that experience, to build up that resume that don't require you getting hired or or getting freelance work. And then you can move into getting freelance work, ultimately a job, etc. There is a pathway there. So again, I really think it's just an excuse to say there's nothing out there available. Nobody's handing me a job, so there's nothing I can do. There's lots and lots of stuff that you can do. Heck, if all else fails, start a YouTube channel and start putting up coding tutorials. I mean, that's really how I started my career. Go on Stack Overflow and answer questions. Oh, there, there's just there's so much opportunity available in, in the tech world today. There are things that you can do. Are some things going to take longer than others? Yes. Are some things harder than others? Yes. But if you really want it, it doesn't matter. Right? You, you just start taking steps now. If you can't do get hired, okay, try freelance. If I can't freelance, let me work on some open source stuff. If I can't do that, let me do my own project. If I can't do that, let me create content. Let me answer questions. There's something that you can be doing right now. What I find most often is it's people don't want to do it. It's not that you can't do it. It's that you don't want to do it. And that's when I'll just go back to questioning how bad do you really want it. If you really want it, just do it. Do what you have to do. And it'll add up. The, the last thing then that you need is I would generally categorize as proof. And experience is kind of that, but the experience part of it is more actually knowing this stuff. Proof is proof that you know it. And so your job history is a big part of that, your portfolio, client testimonials, referrals. The point being, you need to gather all of that stuff up as you go along. And you need really want to kind of strategize the, the different things, different jobs that you take and projects you work on uh, to, to, to make sense and all kind of come together to build a kind of robust set of proof, a robust overall resume of what you can and can't do um, to, to, to show up to a job interview or an app, have an application where you have tons and tons of proof of what you're capable of. So again, you want to collect that stuff. You want to strategize a little bit. And what I mean by strategize is if you're specializing in building membership sites, well, you should have a job history that, that shows that a portfolio, testimonials, getting referrals in that industry, et cetera, right? It all should uh, fit with where you're ultimately trying to go. And if you just decide to change, then you know, well, I got to change my proof. I have a bunch of proof in this particular niche. Now I need, I want to change and do this over here. I need to start gathering proof here. And again, just strategize it uh, in that way. So again, confidence, experience, and proof. You do those three things, you work on those three things, then I'm convinced that you're going to have a really good foundation for your 
for your career. And it's not going to be long before you get hired doing something. All right, coming up in the last segment, I'm going to be answering some of your questions. I got a couple questions over on uh, YouTube. These are kind of going back to the CS degree stuff, some questions, and then some some comments that I want to address as well. So we're going to get to that after the break. You're listening to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of developers make is they make learning how to code much harder than it has to be. For example, I see a lot of developers who think the list of skills that they need to learn to master PHP is pages and pages and pages long. It's not. Now, I've said this before, and I will definitely say it again, but there's a foundational set of skills that you need to learn in order to be functional as a PHP developer, meaning that you can execute on projects and get paid. This is the fallacy that is so prevalent in the PHP developer community, that there's this ideal set of skills that you have to learn and that you have to be the absolute greatest developer in the history of mankind in order to be able to get paid to code. You don't. You simply need to be able to execute on projects. I talk about end results all the time. You need to be able to deliver end results to clients. Because that's ultimately what they want. But when you focus on these foundational skills and learning only those first, the things that will allow you to execute on projects, what you realize is that you can start getting paid to code much faster than you probably ever thought because you haven't set this idealistic, unattainable bar for yourself to reach before you allow yourself to take paid work. You can start now when you can execute on a deliverable, when you can complete a a single project, when you can create a contact form or a business website. When you can execute on that, you can start. And you can start then building the life that you wanted that you got into this all for the in the first place. Instead of continuing to slave away at some job making somebody else rich. Anyway, you can learn these skills in my free course, The Beginner's Guide to PHP, which you can enroll in at johnmorrisonline.com slash learn PHP. And it's going to teach you these foundational skills so you can get started right now. Again. It's a completely free course that you can take at johnmorrisonline.com slash learn PHP. Don't wait on this. Head over there right now and get started building that life. Welcome back to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. This segment, I'm going to be getting into answering your questions. I collect these YouTube, email, Twitter, Facebook, etc. So uh, these two happen to be from YouTube today and they're regarding their... Uh, in response to my CS degrees are worthless video. So I know I've been harping on this a little bit, but these are the questions people are answer- asking me, so I want to address these. So this is from Carlos. He said, I learned web development early in my age. So when I went to college, I thought it was a waste of time. I could definitely relate to your opinion. It was not until I had acquired all the knowledge where I finally appreciated what I learned. The classes I took did not have a direct correlation to the programming languages I used for web development, but the methodology remained the same. 
Those classes became useful when I began building more advanced web pages because I was able to pull from my toolbox that I had acquired from attaining my CS degree. When I completed my CS degree, I didn't feel it was a waste of time, but it fueled me with passion to continue to grow. Now, I would not say paying vast amount of money to enroll in college is the only way to go since there are many online resources for free. If you have the discipline to take the large amount of time to learn, then you don't need college. But if you find yourself struggling to make time, then a standardized way college might be the route to take. And I responded to him on YouTube, and it's kind of the same answer I'd give here. But to me, that so, so that's completely reasonable to me, right? That makes total sense to me. Uh, you know, the thing, so he was, I guess, lucky enough to have learned web development in an early age. So he actually had that foundation first before getting his CS degree. And I actually, that was one of the things I responded to him and said, that actually makes sense to me. If it, it would make sense, I, I really feel like it's the way it should happen is reversed, right? A lot, what a lot of people do is they come out of high school, they go right into, they're told they have to go to college, that they'll be losers and everything, will, their life will be hell if they don't go to college. They go to college, they they get a CS degree and then they try to go and get a job or do something and it happens to be web development related or they just they figure out they like web development so they go in there, and now they have to teach them all of these themselves all of these skills that they really didn't learn they learned methodology and theory and so forth in in their CS degree but didn't really learn how to program and i feel like it should be switched that you should learn the programming and the web development stuff first it's it's kind of like uh learning how to walk you know you don't start off running uh, or you don't start off, you know, doing running drills and and, <laughs> and doing all sorts of uh, agility drills and so forth. That's not what you start off doing. You learn how to put one foot in front of the other first. And then as you get better and more advanced, then you can add on these higher level type skills. And so, again, that's, uh, as I mentioned to him, that's really, uh, if I were to recommend a path, that would be it, is learn how to program first. And then if you're at a point in your career where you're really getting heavy into coding, because that's the thing, you may find that you're not going to, as he said, it it made sense when you started getting into building more advanced web pages. You may find that that's not the route that you go. Right? You maybe end up doing something totally totally different. And so in that sense, the CS degree may not be useful at all. Or you may find that you're starting to get into some of this heavier programming, building more advanced stuff, and now it makes sense to go learn the methodology. And when you go to learn the methodology, you'll have a foundation on which that stuff all makes sense. You can actually use it and implement it. But I see so often it's the reverse. So again, completely reasonable. The the other thing I want to point out about this is he said, when I completed my CS degree, I didn't feel it was a waste of time, but it fueled me with passion to continue to grow. As I mentioned in the very first podcast, the whole point of that that podcast was it was about value versus cost. Now for for Carlos being fueled with passion to continue to grow, that may be worth the cost. That may be worth it. But it also may not be worth it for a lot of people out there. And you need to know what you're getting into. And so my whole point was just to break, try and break this, this kind of default 
method or th- way of thinking that we have that we graduate high school, we have to go to college, we get a degree, we get a good job. Like, you don't have to do that. In a lot of ways, that system is broken. So you you at the very least, I'm not saying don't, never go get a degree necessarily. All I'm ultimately saying is understand what you're getting into, understand what you're going to be paying for it, and actually take some time to evaluate if it's worth it or not for you. Now, obviously, Carlos has found it to be useful, and that's fine. That's that's what you should do. If it's useful, it's useful. Then do it. But don't just do it because you think you're supposed to or you think you have to or everybody says that this is what you have to do. You don't. There's lots of other options. In our industry, there's industries where there's not a lot of other You want to be a doctor? You're pretty much going to have to go get a degree. You're going to have to you know, pass the whatever exam they have and certification, all that. There's really not a choice. You have to go to medical school. If you want to be a lawyer, you got to go to law school. There's really not a ton of choice that you have. And so in our industry, the the point is, is that in our industry, there is. You have choices. And so don't be afraid to to pursue other options um, because there's a ton out there. All right. The next question comes from Mark over on YouTube. And he says, here in the UK, experience is king. Education is second, but a degree does make you stand out. If you're freelancing, it really doesn't matter. But if you're in the job market, it will help you. I didn't get a degree and worked in the industry for 10 years until I got my degree in CS. And I can say it has improved my programming and understanding of programming tenfold. Has it helped me use JavaScript better? Maybe not, but I have a much better understanding of what's going on behind the scenes. And I can now write native PHP plugins in C. This puts me into a salary bracket I could have never achieved without getting my degree. So again, this is to me. This isn't really an obnoxious comment. This is it makes sense to me. A point of view. Uh, again, in the original podcast, I pointed out uh, maybe isn't a follow up, but uh, I've pointed out that I understand that there are certain places, certain countries, maybe even geographical areas like say New York or wherever, where it really is you have to have a degree. Well, again. If that's the case, then so be it. But you need to actually verify that that's true. What I find so often when people say, well, where I live, you have to have a degree, or in this industry, you have to have a degree, is that they only look at the requirements that are posted on these jobs, or they just have been told that and they believe it and never have actually looked at it. But oftentimes, when you actually start to look at it and analyze it, you realize, well, there's a lot of stuff that's available. I went on Indeed. Uh, in the original podcasting show, there's tons of stuff available that doesn't require a degree. Even, But even the ones that do, that say they require degrees, often don't. I've, I, there were probably, I think, two or three different jobs I've been hired to in my life where the requirement was listed on there for a bachelor's degree. And I don't have, I don't have a bachelor's degree. I don't have any kind of degree. And I still got hired for the job. So not only can you see it uh, statistically, but anecdotally, I've experienced it. I've had it happen to me. So there, not every job that says it requires a degree actually requires a degree. That's just a qualifier put out there to scare people away. So what I'm telling you is don't let it scare you away. Uh, again, as for, has it, it's improved my programming and understanding of programming tenfold. Again, that's fine. If you look at it and assess that you've, it's made you a better programmer, then so be it. But I can I can 
pull up comments from people who have told that have told me it didn't help them at all, and then it just put gave them a bunch of debt, and so they feel like it was. Uh, I got one email that and I talked about this in the newsletter. Said it was worse than worthless because they really didn't learn anything, and they got like fifty five thousand in debt. Again, that depends on the the school you went to, what country you live in, the programs, the electives you chose, etc. That all depends on that. But again, the point being, you need to go into it with eyes wide open, and you need to understand what you're going to get out of it and be able to assess if it's worth it for you. So I want to really drive that point home. I I get a lot of these comments that are, are, are these necessarily not, but they're trying to be, they're almost like gotcha comments, like, ah, proved you wrong. The whole point was, is it may or may not be worth it. You don't have to have it. But at the end of the day, what you need to do for yourself and your specific situation, because I can't account for every single situation out there, you need to analyze it and not just fall into this idea that you have to get a degree and this is the only route that you can take. I mean, I literally just spent probably 30 minutes talking to you about all of the different jobs that are available out there. Those ones on Upwork, I can promise you most of those clients could care less if you have a degree or not. They're going to look at your portfolio, your you know your job history, your testimonials, your rating, reviews, etc. That's the stuff they're going to look at. Uh, a, a degree on there might have some small effect, but it's not going to be the big thing that they're looking at. So there's that whole market that's open and available to you that degree a degree really almost doesn't even matter at all. When you get into the regular job market, there's still you know, on indeed half the jobs that don't even require, don't even list the, a degree as a requirement, not to mention all the ones that do where they don't actually require it. It's just a scare tactic. So there's tons and tons of options out there. There's all sorts of, of routes that you can go. There's not one single route and just assess it for yourself. Don't even listen to me. But especially don't listen to all the know-it-alls and out there who tell you, will tell you that you absolutely have to do it this one way. All right, I'm going to leave it there for this show, and thank you all for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash podcast, and that will take you to the homepage for the podcast where you can listen to the past 10 episodes, do the 10-episode challenge. You can also subscribe over on iTunes, Android, SoundCloud, etc., over there as well. Uh, I'd appreciate if you do that. If you like this episode, be sure to like it so they know that you like this kind of content. If you know somebody would benefit from this, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with them. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.